So today we will study from the 16th to the 18th verse of the Viveki Churamani which enunciates the qualifications of a spiritual aspirant. So what are the qualifications of a spiritual aspirant? That for any course of study, first you have to know the qualification. That even in our academic study, that to pursue certain study, we have to have certain minimum qualifications. So even in our spiritual journey, as a spiritual aspirant, what are the basic qualifications, especially for the one who is pursuing the path of Jnana Yoga, who is pursuing the path of the knowledge. So what are the basic qualifications required to pursue this path of Jnana Yoga? So from the 16th to the 18th verse, Shankaracharya, Bhagavad Pada Shankaracharya is going to enunciate those qualifications. So the 16th verse, what it is says, Medhavi Purusho Vidwan Uha Apoha Vichakshanaha Adhikari Atma Vidyaya Ukta Lakshana Lakshita So what are the qualifications? The first preliminary qualifications, he should be Medhavi. The word Medhavi generally we translate as intelligent, but it has some more inner significance. So we will come to it. Let us just translate it literally as intelligent, the Medhavi. So he should be intelligent. What that intelligence stands for, we will come to the discussion. Vidwan. So, he should be a learned man. Uha apoha vichakshana. So, he should be skilled in arguing in favor of the scriptures and in refuting counter arguments. So, he should be skilled in arguing in favor of the scriptures and in refuting counter arguments. That's what's meant by uha apoha vichakshana. Uha means to argue in favor, apoha means to refute the contra these contradictory arguments. Adhikari atma vidyayam ukta lakshana lakshita. So one who has this above uh, characteristics. So what are the characteristics? So in this sloka, the three characteristics they speak of this medha, vidwan, uha, apoha, vichakshana. So the one who has these three qualifications he is qualified for receiving the knowledge of Atman, Adhikari Atma Vidyayam. So now let us try to understand the inner meaning of these three qualifications which has been spoken of. The Medhavi. So what actually Medha means? It's not just mere intelligence. In Sanskrit, 
the word medha has been defined as dhi dharanavati medha so dhi or buddhi the intellect which has the capacity to written the meaning of what has been heard is called medha so in our life we will find that so many things we learn but we tend to forget with the entire academic education we will find that's what happens the throughout the year the student studies once he sits for the examination after after the examination he has the certificate but the same subject as he loses touch with it if you go and ask him about that subject he has forgot about 90% of it so we don't written in our day to day life there are so many experiences we are going through but we don't written them so this is very important in our life very nicely swami saradananda ji was asked in a question answer session that what is life he gave a very nice answer just in one line and no one can deny very nice answer that life is nothing but a chain of experiences we are going through so many experiences one after the other it's a chain of experiences the questioner immediately asks the next question well said it's a chain of experiences now what's the aim of life again in one sentence is giving a wonderful answer to learn from those experiences we don't learn as sri ramakrishna in the gospel in one place he is saying that our condition is just like a camel the camel thrives on thorny bushes it bleeds when it's feeding on the thorny bushes though it bleeds but still it will continue to eat on the thorny feed on the thorny bushes so our condition is as if like that that we bleed from the experiences of life but we won't learn we don't written those experiences so the capacity to written the experiences so that we learn we grow in wisdom so that's the quality which has been spoken of as medha sri ramakrishna is a master of example for the first time when he went to the studio some devotee requested him to come along with him to go along with him to a studio photo studio in those days the photo uh, this taking picture was something new it was newly invented so there was a lot of enthusiasm so someone took ramakrishna to a for in a photo studio to take his picture so there are only two three pictures of sri ramakrishna this is one of them you will find in one picture sri ramakrishna is standing with one hand in the pillar that's the one which was taken in the studio now when he went to the studio he saw minutely that what's the process which the photographer is following in those days they used to use those photographic plates which are like a glass which is tainted the glass is tainted on one side in the olden days that used to be the photo plates with tainted with this the quotations and sri ramakrishna asks that what is this quotation behind the glass why what is it is meant for and then the photographer explained that whatever image falls on this glass because of this quote that photo is written 
That's why we can produce the photography. And immediately Sri Ramakrishna, the master of examples, he's enunciating a wonderful example. What he's saying? That ordinary mind is just like a mirror. As long as someone is standing in front of it, it reflects. But the moment the object moves, the reflection is gone. But this photographic plate is like the one who is having medha. That whatever is in its presence, its impression remains. It is never lost. So that's the idea which is, is used by the word medha. That in our life we will find that so many things we learn, but when we are in crisis, that knowledge is of no avail. We have studied so many things, but we can never feel most of the time that knowledge doesn't ignite in our mind. It is there, but it, in the proper moment, the knowledge which could have saved me from certain challenges, from tribulations, that doesn't flash in my mind. After the experience is over, then someone says, you should have done such and such thing. And they think, yeah, I knew. But we never just take those steps because that those ideas never came to come to our mind. As in a Sanskrit, there's a nice verse. Pustakastha tuya vidya parahastha gatam dhanam karya kale samutpanne nasa vidna sa vidya natat dhanam Pustakastha tuya vidya The knowledge which is in the book parahastha gatam dhanam the wealth, my wealth, I have kept it with someone. As a trustee, he is just taking care of my wealth. And now, the moment I want it, I may not get the wealth because it is, I have just trusted that wealth to someone else. It is with someone else. So the moment I want it, he may not be available. So what's the use of that money which I have kept with someone else? And what's the use of the knowledge which is in the book unless it flashes in my mind? Karya kale, at the time when it is needed, samutpanne, if it is doesn't, is not, it cannot be ever, then what's the use of that vidya, of that knowledge and of that wealth? So, medha speaks of that knowledge. Means once, the, even in spiritual life, that we all constantly see that life is ephemeral. Every day in the news, every day we see people do fall sick, they grow old, they die. But does it register in our mind? No. Buddha, that's the Medha. What is Medha? Buddha was not allowed to move out of the palace till he was young and one day he went out and just for the first time, he saw Jara Vyadhi Mrityu. Old age, disease, death. And immediately it created such a deep impression in the mind that the question, there was a big question in his mind. What's the big question? That after all, what's life for? What's the meaning of it? Unless and until I find the answer of it, I won't come back. I just am renouncing all the pleasures as a prince. I had a royal prince. He can enjoy. It was all there. But that was Medha. 
It, the moment he saw, immediately it created a deep impression in the mind. And that's why Shankaracharya is indicating Medha as one of the characteristic for an aspirant. That whatever he sees, whatever he studies, that should create a deep impression in the mind. How is it possible? You know, whenever we have an, that how deep impressions are created, whatever you are intensely focusing on, that creates a deep impression. In our life we will find that this example in previously also we gave that suppose I am traveling, I am just driving and I am about to meet some major accident, most probably some head-on collision and somehow I averted it. But I will find that in details all the things which happened in that moment I never forget till the, till the last breath of my life that will remain as a prominent impression in my mind. So many things I have exper experienced, I forget, but I never forget that. Why? Because when I am extremely focused, yet the focus was because of the fear of death. I was at the verge of dying. That was a, a severe accident I was about to face. And that abhinivesha, that fear of death, made my mind extremely focused and as it was extremely focused in that focused mind whatever impression is there it can never be deleted so that deep impression this medha fix speaks of focus if you are focused you have that deep impression now the next question how to have that focus if we have a purpose in sense of necessity then the focus is automatically there but again, that an example which we give, a surgeon who most probably uh, is standing in the bus stop to catch a bus and the bus is to come in another half an hour and he starts feeling discomfort. He doesn't like standing there. He feels discomfort. His leg starts aching. The same surgeon who in the operation theater, when he's uh, just, uh, is, uh, he's, uh, or we are conducting some operation, some procedure is going on. Maybe it's a very complicated procedure. It may take some seven, eight hours. He's standing, operating on the patient, and he is, he never re, uh, in any way feels any discomfort. For the time being, he has forgotten pain, thirst, hunger. He's totally focused on what he's doing. Why? He knows while operating a little mistake will be at the cost of the life of the patient. It is this sense of necessity which gives the focus. So in spiritual life also, as Sri Ramakrishna used to say, that if we are the Atman, and as the Atman, which is always in bliss, which, is, which transcends all the duality of life, if that's our real nature, and if we really want to be identified with it, if that sense of necessity is there, the treasure which is with me, somehow it has been locked because of ignorance and I want to just get that treasure, how can I be at ease with myself? As Sri Ramakrishna used to say, if there is a, a room, this locker full of wealth and a thief is thinking of stealing it, can he sit just simply at, can, can he be at ease? constantly will be thinking how to break the locker and get the wealth. So if we were studying the scripture, we hear about the Atman, 
which is our the core of our being and which is which transcends all the dualities of life if that be so if really we have that sense of necessity can we rest at peace with our so called mundane life it is impossible so that necessity will give the focus with that focus we can have that indelible impression in the mind as we don't have that sense of necessity we never get that focus and as that focus is not there the medha is not possible so you will find that mukshutvam that yearning is the basic reason the the cause behind uh, medha is mukshutvam we will find in life of shankaracharya to one of his disciples the moment he gives the mantra he speaks out the uh, mahavakya immediately the realization in a flash it happens realization happens in a flash the one who has that mumukshutvam develop that tremendous yearning which gives that tremendous focus when the guru is speaking of that mahamat when he is pronouncing the mahavakya the tremendous focus because of that intensity enables him to comprehend the meaning immediately it creates an indelible mark in his mind and that speaks of medha and then vidwan vidwan speaks of one who is learned learn it who has learned the vocabulary the grammar the scriptures to study the scriptures you have to have the knowledge of the language so that speaks of the the grammar the vocabulary so unless you have the knowledge of that how can you read the scriptures so vidwan speaks of that now uha apoha vichakshana this is again something very important you we may feel that oh these gyanis are always uh, uh eager to quarrel with others to have some arguments with others that he should be skilled in arguing in favor of scriptures and in refuting counter arguments against them but it is actually the, the real meaning is not that i should learn the scriptures to argue with others no that by my study should be such that i should develop an intellectual conviction of what i have studied that in our scriptures they speak that the what's the process of meditation first shravana then comes manana then nididhyasana i hear the scripture that is shravana then manana i cogitate upon it mentally cogitate upon it all the ideas won't be clear i have to constantly contemplate on it but through the process of contemplation through the process of reflection gradually the idea becomes clear then only i can meditate on my conviction if i have not developed my conviction anyone can come and simply create confusion in my mind by speaking something contradictory so it is not to argue but it is a shield for me that what i have studied my with faith i have full conviction over it through the process of mental uh cogitation i have came to some intellectual conviction and no one can sway me away from my conviction so that's why uha apoha vichakshana it's not meant to argue with others because in the same in this vivek churamani in the 58th verse shankaracharya will be discouraging this unnecessary argument what he will be saying vak vaikhari shabda jhari 
शास्त्र व्याख्यान कौशलम वैदुष्यंग विदुषांग तत्वत भुक्त न तो मुक्त दट इंटेलेक्चुअल स्पीच वाक वैखरी शब्द झरी शास्त्र व्याख्यान कौशलम यू हैव ए ट्रिमेंडस स्किल इन एक्सपाउंडिंग द स्क्रिप्चर्स यू कैन स्पीक एलोक्वेंटली दिस मेयरली विल ब्रिंग ए लिटिल पर्सनल एंजॉयमेंट एन इंटेलेक्चुअल एंजॉयमेंट वैदुष्यंग विदुषांग तत्वत भुक्त he will be enjoying bhukta means to enjoy his intellectual power but it will no way is going to liberate him natu muktai bhuktai natu muktai it is just meant for personal enjoyment intellectual enjoyment it in no way can result in liberation so this uha apoha vichakshana is not for arguing to get some intellectual satisfaction it is meant for developing such a conviction that no one can sway me away from my conviction so that's the idea so so these are the basic things which has been spoken of that even we find that swami vivekananda used to define education as the nervous association of ideas so when you develop conviction through your intellectual cogitation that conviction should get converted into your nerve impulse means your reflex should change as in the life of sri ramakrishna we find that during sadhana during his spiritual practice he renounced gold that this is an hindrance wealth is an hindrance in our spiritual journey it binds us so anything metal he won't touch because after all coins are metal so all metals he renounced the renunciation was so much internalized that even if he touch even unconsciously touches metal he will get terrible pain his hand will bent as if a scorpion has bitten him and there will be a tremendous what you say repulsion from that touch his hand will be kicked out his hand will be just as if uh, what you say thrown out from that metal so that type of reaction he is to have so that speaks of that that how the conviction can totally convert our personality transform it can even change our reflexes and that speaks of the real uh, uh, reason behind uha apoha vichakshana through reasoning you have developed such a conviction that no one can sway you away from your conviction and not only that that becomes a part and parcel of your life you have internalized that so that's the idea behind this uha apoha vichakshana so after that the next sloka the what are the the qualifications first after saying that these three things that he should be medhavi he should be vidwan he should be well versed in the scriptures and what he has studied he shouldn't forget that speaks of the medha that should guide his day to day life and uha apoha vichakshana and once he have studied his intellectual conviction should be such that no one should be capable of swaying him away from it so he should have the capacity to argue in favor of the scriptures and have counter argument for all the uh, ideas which is contradictory to the scriptures so after that so these three are basically just in the intellectual level but our whole personality has to be overhauled 
It has to be overhauled if we really want spiritual transformation. So for that, what are the other qualifications which are required for a spiritual aspirant? That will be enunciated in the next verse, in the 17th verse. What it is saying? Vivekina, Viraktasya, Shamadi Gunashalinaha, Mumukshorevahi Brahmajikyasa, Yogyata Mataha. So this, this speaks of four qualifications. First is Viveki. He should have the, he should be a man who discriminates between the real and the unreal. This power of discrimination is Viveka. The one who can discriminate between the real and the unreal. This world is a flow. It is ephemeral. Behind that, the self is the one. Which, is, which alone is the truth. That is the trikal avaditha is satya. In, in Vedanta, satya has been defined as that which is trikal avaditha, whose existence cannot be interrupted by any phase of time, past, present, future. In past, it was through eternity. When in present, it is. In future, it will be. Its existence is no way interrupted by any phase of time, past, present and future. That alone is Sat. Anything which is undergoing the process of transformation is Asatya. So, the one who is constantly discriminating between the truth and the untruth, the self which is alone, the Trikalavadita Satya and the entire universe which is the projection of the self, that is Asatya, the one who has developed the power of discrimination, that's the Viveki. And once you have developed the power of discrimination, the next thing that follows is Viraktasya. Virakta. Virakta means who has developed the power of renunciation, who has turned away from the unreal. If I know the world is unreal, if it is my conviction, then naturally my mind, my senses should be just be repelled, get repelled by the anything which is ephemeral. I shouldn't get identified with them. So the one who is Viveki, his mind automatically gets turned away from the unreal. This faculty of developing renunciation, turning away from the unreal has been defined as Virakta. And then Shamadi Guna Shalina. Shama speaks of calmness of the mind. Shama Adi. By the Adi means etc. So there are six qualities which all has been uh, clubbed in this word Shamadi. Shama Adi. Shama and extra. So what are those six qualities? That will be enunciated by Shankaracharya in the succeeding slokas and just for our uh, curiosity. Let us try to uh, just depict what are those six qualities which has been all uh, phrased under the term Shamadi. Shama Dhamadi Shat Sampatti. What is the Shamadi? Shama Dhamma Titiksha Uparati Samadhana Sraddha. So these are the qualities which an aspirant should have. Shama speaks of calmness of the mind. Dhamma speaks of the control of the senses. 
So first the mind should be controlled. Then only the question of controlling the senses come. We cannot control the senses if our mind is uh, playing havoc. All sorts of thoughts, desires are there in the mind. So first comes the calmness of the mind. This all will be elaborately discussed in the succeeding slokas. We are just having a gist, the idea of it. First comes Shama, calmness of the mind. That's followed by Dhamma, control of the senses. Titiksha speaks of perseverance. Uh, forbearance. That the life will have its own challenges. We cannot get rid of the challenges of life. But generally what we do, we react to the circumstances. So if the world is unreal, why, uh, why should I react to it? Reaction speaks of what? I take it as real. If it is unreal, I know it, I don't react to it. That is one way. Another way of understanding, if the self is projected as the universe, nothing is there, there apart from the self. It is the self which is appearing as the universe. Then the idea is there, everything is the self. If everything is the self, whom to hate? What to be worried about? As in Bhagavatam, very nice, there is a sloka. They say, while taking food, while you are having food, if accidentally your tongue gets bitten by your teeth, whom do you blame? It's the same person. So here also the same idea that uh, Titiksha speaks of that. That you have the, developed the power of forbearance. You don't react. Reaction means your mind gets disturbed. So when you are angry on someone, you say there is valid reason for getting angry, but I forget. When I am angry on someone, the other person in no way is affected. The one who is affected is me. The anger has created such a turmoil in my mind that the, from the mind my body may get affected. Suddenly I will find my pulse rate has increased, my pressure has increased. So all those things speaks of the some disturbance which is within me. It is very subjective. So flow to develop that power of titiksha, that the world in no way can disturb me. There's a, when the titiksha, to explain titiksha, we will just uh, illustrate one of the examples which has been uh, given by Swami Vivekananda in one of his lectures. That a bull was lying was just lying on the ground and it was just relaxing, resting. And a mosquito was sitting on its horn. After some time, the mosquito felt, uh, is, developed a sense of guilt. Most probably I am disturbing this bull uh, sitting on its, I'm just annoying him. So the mosquito asks the bull, am I annoying you just by sitting on the horn? He says, no, no, not at all. You can sit there. You can bring your entire family and sit there. It's not an issue. So what's the idea? That our sensations should become like that to the external world. It in no way can disturb me. It's as if just like a mosquito sitting on the horn of a bull. So that type of uh, power of forbearance, unless we develop, if small things of life disturbs me, how can I think of my spiritual practice? The mind, the calmness has gone. So this titiksha is being enunciated as the 
third one among the six, this third is the tiksha. Then comes uparati. If I try to sit down and meditate, I will find it's not easy. The mind again and again gets distracted. It goes to the old ways of thinking. The monkey mind goes to old ways of thinking. So what I have to do? I try again and again. The moment the mind gets distracted, again I bring it back. It goes distracted, again I bring it back. That is the uparati. Constantly you are trying to restrain your mind, bringing the mind back to your object of meditation. That alone can lead to samadhana. Gradually, this process will lead to deep meditation. That is samadhi, samadhana. And that this is possible. That it is not going to happen in a single day. It is an arduous journey. The, our spiritual illumined souls have enunciated this process. Unless I have faith, just first day I try, I fail, I think these are all bogus. I can never su succeed. So there should be Sraddha, that faith in the words of the Guru, faith in the words of the scripture. And that alone can give me that perseverance. If I don't have faith, I can never have that perseverance. In spiritual life, as Swamiji used to say, that three P's are required. Three P, purity, patience, perseverance. So this perseverance comes when you have Sraddha, you have patience, you have perseverance. Unless you have Sraddha, you cannot have patience, you cannot have perseverance. To go on trying again and again, that speaks of perseverance. And you have to be patient, that nothing is possible in a day. So that speaks of Sraddha. So these are the six qualities which he should have. And everything, all these qualities is guided by the last quality, the fourth quality, that is called Mumukshutvam. The tremendous yearning to get established in the spiritual realization in this very life. So these are the four qualities of the one who has, he alone can have the capability, the skill for Brahma Jikyasha, this inquiry into Brahman. So now the four qualities, Viveka, Vairagya, Shama, Shamadamadi, Shat Sampatti, Mumukshutvam. This we gave an overview. Just now we just had an overview of it. We will go to the details in the succeeding slokas when Shankaracharya one by one will be taking up these qualities and describing them. But in this sloka, we will now try to understand the word Brahma Jigyasa. This is very important. What the Brahma Jigyasa means. Nowadays we think the Brahma Jigyasa, that literal translation is that the, he should be inquiring, the, he is the, qualified to inquire in, into Brahman, who has, the, those who have these four qualities, he alone has the capacity to inquire about Brahman. Now you say, just anyone, I can have the curiosity, I can inquire, I can just read the scriptures and can know about Brahman, why to have all those qualities? So here, that's why we have to enunciate the word Brahma, what actually Brahma Jigyasa means. So now, the word Jigyasa means Gyatum Icha Jigyasa. The desire to know is Jigyasa. Generally, we translate Jigyasa as to ask. It is not mere out of curiosity I'm asking something. I have the desire to know it fully complete comprehension. So that is Jikyasa.
the one the what this brahma jigyasa means the one who has the desire to know brahman this what is intended by such desire or ichha is knowledge that which terminates uh, term, and which which ends up only in the complete comprehension of brahman as sri ramakrishna used to say that if you have seen milk that is not going to nourish you the one who have heard of milk he is not going to be nourished by it one who have seen milk he is not going to be nourished by it you have to drink it uh, digest it assimilate it then only this you can be nourished so brahma jigyasa means that that it is not just mere de- knowledge the result it it actually how it this brahma jigyasa how that enquiry is possible the result of such enquiry is uninterrupted consciousness reflected in the mind which in technically in vedanta is referred as brahma kara vritti brahma akara vritti that aham brahmasmi i am the brahman through intellectual reasoning when i have got convinced about it the constant uninterrupted consciousness when we are reflecting upon it that constant vritti is called brahmakara vritti so the mind gets mind should get totally absorbed in it as in us upanishad they say ekarati vichikitsa i forget every other thing i just contemplate on that because it is not just the general vague idea of brahman which one has even before inquiry everywhere we hear about this brahman that and we say we know brahman that's not the knowing of brahman the real brahma jigyasa what for real brahma jigyasa what is required that intense absorption in the thought that i am brahman as has been indicated by shankaracharya in some other reference what daddat na avasaram kinchit kamadinam managapi आसुप्ते आमृते कालम नयेत वेदांत चिंतया व्हाट इज सेइंग दैट यू शुडंट यू शुड नॉट गिव इवन ए मोमेंट ऑफ अवसर रिलैक्सेशन टू योर माइंड फॉर ऑल द डिजायर्स टू अराइज कामादीना मनागोपी कामादी व्हाट स्पीक्स ऑफ द सिक्स इंपल्सेस द सिक्स एनिमीज in the form of impulse what does kama krodha lobha moha mada masarji these are the six enemies shararipu six enemies kama is the desire if the desire gets hindered from that results krodha anger or rage and if the desire is fulfilled you develop obsession for it if there is an unobstructed uh, uh what you say this avenue to resort to my desire i go on enjoying my desire it will lead in lobha greed obsession from that obsession the greed will come and that will result in moha i forget that the object of my sense of pleasure is not going to be with me through eternity my mind gets deluded i take the unreal to be real thinking that to be eternal that speaks of moha delusion and that when i am deluded from that comes mother when my uh, my greed for wealth has enabled me to have amassed a lot of wealth i have delusion and along with that a tremendous ego 
I am wealthy. That speaks of mother. That your ego, pride, arrogance. That speaks of mother. So say, see, from actually from desire leads to all those things. And last is matsarya, that I may have a lot of wealth, but I become aware of my neighbor who is more wealthier than me. I start developing envy, jealousy for him. That's matsarya. So all these six enemies, I, when my thought, when my contemplation of Brahman has become so intense, but my mind in no way gets the scope to dwell in any of the six repos, six enemies, the six ways the mind drags me down. It doesn't get a scope. I, 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 one should not yield through his, all through his once waking moment, even for a moment, even a little, to these impulses of Kama, Krodha, Loga, Moha, Madhama, Sarya. And then what he should do? He shouldn't yield to them. But the mind cannot be, uh, just can, cannot remain free. You have freed the mind from all this Shararipu. But unless you engage it in something, you cannot simply keep the mind free. So once you have freed it from all the Shararipu, what you have to do? Asupte. Amrite Kalam. Till you fall asleep, fall asleep. Till you die, till death overpowers you. One should spend one's time in Vedantic thoughts. So Swami Vivekananda used to give a very nice example. He says that nowadays we think that knowledge is gathering of information. And he's saying that knowledge is not gathering of information. It is actually assimilation of the idea. How much you know is not the question. Nowadays because of internet, there is no need to accumulate knowledge. It is already there. The entire library of knowledge, uh, the entire gamut of knowledge, anything you can search, what's there just to memorize them. So that's not the real purpose of education. The real purpose of education is assume even one idea. You take up one idea, leave it, dream it. That's what Swamiji is saying. Just internalize it, assimilate it. Let that idea become your passion. Live only for that idea. And then he's giving a very nice example. He's saying that a mollusk, you know how the pearl is formed? A particular type of mollusk, when it gets irritated by the sand particle or any dust particle, it will dive deep into the ocean bed or river bed along with the dust particle. Because of that irritation, it starts salivating over it. It will be secreting over it. It will go on secreting over it. And that secretion crystallizes in time at last to get converted into pearl. So Swamiji is saying that's the real purpose of education. What? That take up one idea. The dust particle is like that idea. And now it is you have to what you say? Ruminate over it. Constantly go on cogitating upon it. Contemplate upon it. That's the secretion. That's the saliva. And then there will be a transformation. That you become as if like a pearl. That the real worth of your life which was hidden in the core of your being. That becomes your be all and end all of your existence. So that's the process. 
that constantly go on, constantly go on contemplating over it. So that's the idea which has been spoken of in the second line. Asupte, amrite kalam, naid vidanta chintaya. Go on contemplating on it. That type of immersion is required to really have spiritual liberation. So Shankaracharya is showing that what type of qualification is required to that can which can lead us to go beyond this agyana, beyond the delusion. So if one can do it, then what is will be the result? This result is something which in again in Shankara Bhashya is saying that if you can really do it, if you can totally contemplate on it, forgetting every other thing, there will be a huge transformation, overhauling of your personality. The Shankaracharya very nicely is described. What he's saying is something very interesting. Dehatma Gyanavat Gyanam Dehatma Gyanavadhanam Atmanyeva Bhavet Yasya Na Ichanapi Muchyate. That by that constant contemplation, at present I have the idea that I am this body-mind complex. That is the cause of my bondage. That I am this body-mind complex. And this results in all my reflex. Even uh, a hot body touches me, I don't have to take a conscious decision. Because of reflex, my hand will be repelled from it. So as I have this idea that I am this body-mind complex, that guides all my reflex by this constant practice that I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. I am the Atman, I am the Brahman, I am one with Brahman. When this can be internalized to constant contemplation, at least what happens? Even your reflexes changes. That I am the Atman, I am not the body, not the mind, not the senses. That becomes the guiding force of your reflex. You may say, is it possible? Just now we give that example. In the life of Ramakrishna, you will find it did happen that if even unknowingly he touches the coin, his hand ripples, the reflex has changed. So that's the thing which is possible. And when that happens, very nicely, poetically, Shankaracharya is saying, Ichan na ichanapi muchyate. If you, if you don't desire for liberation, liberation is just waiting for you. It is going to happen. So what's the psychology behind it? When by constantly developing that Brahmakara Vritti, that I'm not the body, not the mind, not the senses, I'm the Atman, I'm one with Brahman, Aham Brahmasmi. As we have said that it, this idea is constantly hammering on the idea that I am this limited self. It is constantly hammering on our ego. And it is this ego which is the hub of the will of our personality. And what are the spikes? All the innumerable desires. I cannot get rid of the desires one by one. It is almost impossible. So how to get rid of the idea that I have this body-mind complex? Get rid of the ego. As Sri Ramakrishna again and again used to say, when shall I be free? His answer was, when I cease to be, this limited sense of I, that I am this body-mind complex, when that ceases. So with this Brahmakara Vritti, when you are hammering the ego out, the Mula Agyana falls off. This is called Mula Agyana Nasha. This is the root cause of all our ignorance. The first the ignorance is what? That I am this body-mind complex. The moment this ignorance dawns in, 
the ignorance about all other things follows this is first comes what you say this in adhyasa first is avarana and then vikshepa once you forget your real nature then vikshepa from that this all the wrong understandings develops so mula agyana is this i am this body mind complex this ego that is the mula basic from agyana comes asmita even in yoga sutra they speak of so you get rid of that by with the help of this brahmakara vritti and then if the hub is gone how can the spikes remain they all have to bound to collapse all the desires collapse once at a time so that's why very poetically shankaracharya is saying na ichchanapi mucchyate such a person even if he doesn't desire liberation is bound to follow it is bound to follow even very nicely in the yoga patanjali yoga sutra they say it is just like rolling of a ball from the top of the hill if somehow there was a ball which was somehow tied in the top of the hill and the string somehow snaps breaks the no one can stop the ball is bound to roll down so once that bondage is broken the uh, what do you say pratiprasava in these words are so important in yoga sutra they use the word pratiprasava prasava prasava means evolution this world is evolved because of ignorance pratiprasava it goes back it dissolves back to its cause that is pratiprasava that's bound to happen and that's been indicated by shankaracharya na ichchana pimuchyate once you develop that one uh, what you say that pinpointed focus uh, focused contemplation one pointed concentration everything else has fallen off all the distractions that has become the be all and end all of your existence then the liberation is bound to happen because that will nullify our ego and that will take us to that ultimate uh, spiritual liberation so so this uh, means uh, is the sanam sanam and bonam of our spiritual journey as has been spoken of when you have these qualifications then only you can pursue this path of gyana marga so in the 18th as a conclusion what is saying sadhanani atra chatvari there's this four practices kathitani manishivi all the illumined souls the manishi those who have already traversed this path they speak of eshu satsu eva satnishta yat abhave na siddhyati so as long as these four qualifications are there one is endowed with this four qualification know it for certain that is going to take him to that liberation and without it even if you lack any one of them you can never attain the final goal na siddhyati so that's why sri ramakrishna used to say very nice thing that even a little desire if there is a little desire know it for certain there cannot be any liberation he used to give a very nice example that when in a thread there are so many fibers if even one fiber is uh, uh, what you say is protruding out it's all not uh, one pointed then it cannot pass through the eye of the needle so all the fibers have to be pointed 
So our desires are like those fibers of the thread. They all have to be pointed to the idea of this I am the Brahman, Brahmakaravritti. It has to, all the distractions has to fall. It has to get all one pointed. And then only liberation is possible. A little trace of desire. If it is there, liberation is not possible. That's what being is indicated in the 18th sloka. I this uh, here actually Shankaracharya, what he has done, he has resorted to the Sruti from the Upanishads. And from the various Upanishads, he have uh, compiled this. Uh, sadhana Chatushtaya. There are a lot of references are there. Like uh, for about uh, what you say this Viveka. It has been mentioned in the Chandagya Upanishad. What? Yat Kritam Tat Anityam. That anything that is produced is not eternal. Yovai Bhoma Tat Sukham. Nalpe Sukham Asti. That in the infinite alone is bliss. There is no bliss in anything which is finite. Bhumaiva Sukham, infinite alone is bliss. Again in Chandogya Upanishad. So Shankaracharya is saying that it is not something I formulated. It is, it is just a compilation from the Sruti, from the Upanishads. That Viraga, it's mentioned. This Parikshalokan Karma Chitan Brahmana Nirveda Mayata Na Asti Akritakritena Tat Vigyanartham Sagurum Eva Bhigachet Samitpani Srotriyam Brahmanishtam that let a Brahmin, means the knower of, the aspirant uh, uh, for the knowledge of Brahman, such he is a Brahmin, after having examined all these worlds that are gained by works, acquire freedom from desires. Nothing that is eternal can be produced by what it is not eternal. So for that, he has to approach his guru, who is well-versed in the Vedas, and is devoted to the Brahman. So that speaks of Viraga. You resort to the spiritual path, that is Viraga. Samadhamadi Sharsampati has been in Brihadarakana Upanishad, in one of the mantras it is mentioned, Shanta, Danta, Uparata, Titikshu, Samahita, Sraddhavitto, Bhutva, Atmani Eva, Atmanam Pashyat. Let one see one's Atman in oneself by being Shanta, Danta, Uparata, Titikshu, Samahita, Sraddhavan. All these six qualities. When you develop, you see the self in oneself. And Mumukshatta has been spoken of as Yame Vaishavrinute Tenalabhya. See, Sankaracharya is saying that all these are from the Upanishads. He has just compiled them. So unless you have all these qualities, if you can never think of liberation, even a little desire is there, you cannot think of liberation. Just with a very funny story, I will end today's discussion that it's just an allegory. Maybe there is not such factual truth in it, but just to elucidate the fact that till your entire mind is focused to the thought of Brahman without any distraction, it cannot lead to liberation. Even a little desire can be the cause of bondage. So what the story goes like, that Ramananda, the, he is the guru of Kabir, he is a spiritually illumined soul. At the time of his death, the disciples uh, brought him and uh, laid him on the cot under a mango tree, in the shadow of a mango tree. And the mango season was almost over. There was only one ripe mango. And now Ramananda told his di di uh, disciples that when I die, 
I will be going to heaven, Golaka, whatever it may be, the idea of heaven in the dualistic religion. And as a proof that I have reached the Golaka, the heaven, you all can hear the ringing of the bells from the skies. The celestial bells will ring. So now in the, under the shadow of the mango tree, when the disciples were surrounding him, the Ramananda, this breath is last. He passed away. And there was no ringing of bell. Nothing was there. So the disciples started doubting. Was he just hallucinating? Maybe at the time of death there was some delirium. He was hallucinating. Kavi told no. He's a realized soul. How can he be just simply uh, speaking something which is utter nonsense? There must be truth in it. They all told all other disciples to then prove it. That what he told is true. Then Kabir got up the tree and at one mango which was, that ripe mango which was still hanging on the tree, he plucked it, brought it down, got down from the tree and with a knife he just cut the mango. The moment he cut the mango, there was a small insect inside. Kavi took the insect between his two fingers and pressed it. The insect died. And immediately there was a ringing of the bell, celestial bells. So that's the idea is that at the last moment, he was desireless. But seeing the mango, that last desire came to test the mango. So there was no liberation. He couldn't go to heaven. He was born as that small insect, incarnate as an insect, to enjoy the test of mango. And then what happened? Naturally, he was still in that insect body. The moment that only one desire was there, Kavir killed it. And immediately no other desire, immediately that liberation ensued and there was the ringing of the bell. So these are the allegories, these are all vocal, these are all oral traditions. Uh, so if you just really say that how much fact it is, there may be no fact, it may not be fact. But these are oral traditions to understand the scriptures. So that's the idea which is spoken of in the 18th. So that all these qualities, one who has developed all these qualities with no distractions at all, he alone is can be uh, entitled to uh, succeed in this spiritual journey. So these are the qualifications of the student which has been student which has been enunciated. Now one by one. All this sadhana uh, chatushta, uh, these fourfold practices, qualifications that will be defined by Shankaracharya in the succeeding slokas, which we will take up again in the succeeding classes. Thank you all. Namaskars. With this, we stop our discussion today.